This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I've finally seen a Jimmy Garoppolo is the first option. Hey, you don't have to love his stats. And I know the injuries are a concern, though this last one is not on him. Somebody rolled up on his foot. That's not injury prone. That's a product of being on a football field. And obviously, it's a dangerous game, and this could happen at any point. I just hate when a guy has a concussion because of a a nasty hit or he gets rolled on or crushed, and somehow that's because he's injury prone. Yeah, this was not Jimmy Garoppolo running and trying to get an extra yard and planting wrong. This was someone rolling up on his foot. Um, and so I, again, I understand that uh, there are have been injury concerns with him, but he's steady Eddie. And when he's in a good groove, he doesn't make a ton of mistakes and the team wins. The Niners won consistently when he was on the field, but his tenure there is now officially, officially over. And so he's also available as is Carson Wentz. We know for sure Derek Carr is out there Uh, next here. Maybe Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, or maybe you're going draft instead because the bears have indicated they are willing to trade that overall number one pick. And they've been approached by multiple teams. So they're leaning in that general direction. And I guess if you, Count the teams out there. Now, I wouldn't think that all these teams are eligible to move up for a variety of reasons. But if you count the teams out there, 8, 9, 10 could use a new quarterback or at least are exploring new QB options. So the Bears have got a potential bidding war developing. Justin Fields was not a top draft pick himself. However, he was top 11. And they love what they saw from him this past season. Is it sustainable? Can he run like that all the time and avoid injury? Well, that worries me. He gets hit a lot. A little bit like Lamar Jackson. The more you get hit, the more likely it is that you're going to sustain a serious injury. And I worry about that for Jalen Hurts, too. Though this year, the Eagles' offensive line, brilliant. And he also had running backs around him, as well as players in the passing game that he trusted. Guys that he could chuck the ball to. Really, at every position. So there wasn't a weakness offensively. At least not until the Super Bowl (laughs) when inexplicably the Eagles offensive line got pushed around by the Chiefs defensive line. It was one of those second half stories, second half trends that I think surprised a lot of people. So, yeah, there's always a risk, an extra risk with a guy who spends a lot of time outside the pocket, spends a lot of time running. But it worked for Jalen Hurts and the Eagles this year. 
And Justin Fields was dynamic when he took off this season. And so the Bears are good. He can throw the ball too. Same thing applies to him as what I've said about Derek Carr. It's hard to know exactly how good a player can be. Not how good a player is, but how much of that potential he can realize, how high the ceiling is when you're starting fresh or you're hitting the reset button with a new coach, with a new OC, with new people around you, new voices, new schemes, new systems, new way of communicating. And Justin's already been through that now twice in his NFL career. But the Bears are definitely sticking with him. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. So you can find me on Twitter, Radio. Oh, Penny, forget me. You can find Penny on Twitter, Radio. And you can also find our post to rank your quarterback options at this point. And then on our Facebook page, same thing, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Ken says he goes with Derek Carr, number one. Bryce Young, number two. And then he says Lamar Jackson threw a trade as number three. More and more, it feels like the chatter around Lamar and the Ravens is that they may be approaching a divorce that cannot be walked back. It's a stalemate. We know now, according to to multiple people around the team, that it's a stalemate that's been hanging over the Ravens' heads. And I'm not sure that took all... This is not a knock on anyone who reports reports on the Ravens at all. But I'm not sure that took a whole lot of confirmation. It's pretty obvious. Based on some of Lamar's comments on both Twitter as well as in press conferences, though we hadn't seen him for a while because he was injured at the end of the season. But I I feel like you can infer pretty well from that situation, almost the facial expressions for John Harbaugh, even though his rhetoric, the narrative didn't change much. We want Lamar. Lamar's our starting quarterback. We want to make this work with Lamar. That's what everyone has said to a man in the Ravens organization. But... A, nothing's been done. B, the iceberg isn't melting. And C, the the body language and also the way that the season went. Actually, two years in a row with the injuries. I'm not saying it's a foregone conclusion. Never, ever, ever say never. (laughs) Never say 100%. There's no such thing as... A 100% guarantee in pro sports, but definitely not in the NFL. Never say never, but never. Okay, smartass. So the the Ravens not having a deal done with him and not franchise tagging him, which I still think is coming because at the very least, let's say they do plan to trade him. They're going to get more for him if they tag him. Well, if they run out of room. Right, If they run out of room and the franchise tag period is ending and there's still nothing, then they're going to end up getting a couple of first-round draft picks. Maybe not as much as they would in a trade on the open market, but more than what they would if he was a restricted tag or a, 
uh, transition tag, which it's not. I, I'm not even going to give you the differences. Oh, you can go back and listen to our conversation with former agent and salary cap expert Joel Corey. Though uh, we had him last week, and and his explanations are are for those of us who don't have degrees in salary cap expertise. <laughs> so the fact that there's been nothing done. And more and more you're hearing, even out of Baltimore, that they don't believe this is possible anymore. I wouldn't say they're ready to burn the house down. It's not a full-blown fire, a five-alarm fire, but it's it's uh, smoldering. Just take everything with a grain of salt. Now, according to Greg Rosenthal from NFL Network, it's not just about a stalemate. It's about a possible move for Lamar. We look at quarterbacks when they get close to free agency. Kirk Cousins actually did it. He got a fully guaranteed contract. Deshaun Watson was not a free agent, but he was freely available a year ago. Every team knew it. What did he get? A fully guaranteed contract. I think the NFL is afraid of what happened if someone as good as Lamar Jackson, who's not uh, going to be suspended, who's a lot better than Kirk Cousins, actually reached free agency. This is about as close as they get. Uh, on our podcast, Patrick predicted a trade. And maybe you disagree, Jeffrey, but I think as this goes on, I think it's more and more likely there is a potential trade for Lamar Jackson. Because if the Ravens don't want to give him a fully guaranteed contract or what he's worth, I think another team will. Well, what he's worth is relative. You can compare him to the other quarterbacks around him. I still say fully guaranteed contracts are not a smart business plan. But if a team is desperate enough, that's what the Cleveland Browns were. They were desperate enough. They knew the only way that they could lure Deshaun Watson to Cleveland. If you remember, he had already eliminated the Browns as an option when they offered the fully guaranteed deal. Drastic times call for drastic measures. It was a drastic move to get Deshaun Watson. That's the aberration, not the rule. The Kirk Cousins is interesting. They didn't have to give him fully guaranteed money in Minnesota, although they were up against it a little bit. Would say it's a brilliant piece of negotiating by his agent, but at the time, it wasn't a long, long term deal either. So, yes, good for Kirk, but thinking that reset the market, if you thought that was going to reset the market, we really didn't see much of a ripple effect from Kirk Cousins. Why? Because he's not an elite quarterback. He's on some beach, so maybe Kirk could win. He does sing, though, going back to the NFL honors, he and Kelly Clarkson. She was about to fall over in her Dallas Cowboys dress. Uh, Let's see, on our Facebook page, Ben agrees with Jimmy Garoppolo, the top option in my opinion. He won't demand the money that Rodgers will, and he wins at a higher percentage than Derek Carr. He's been playing through the circus that is the Raiders in Oakland and Las Vegas. And then he says he thinks Rodgers' skills are declining, but let's see, puts him at the number three spot, if I'm reading your chart, your your flow chart correctly. Uh, Eric on our Facebook page goes with Geno Smith. Well, Geno set records with the Seahawks this year. 
And he definitely reestablished himself with this awesome season in Seattle. I love, love, love that Pete Carroll was confident in him going back to OTAs a year ago. I love that. Once again, reminding us that Pete Carroll is one of the best coaches in the NFL. But it sounds like Gino wants to stay in Seattle. And I guess the longer it goes on, the greater the possibility that he could leave. But I still believe that he's happy. The Seahawks are happy. I wouldn't put them in the category of QB seekers. So I hope they get a deal done because he fits. He fits what they're doing. And yeah, this season, nearly 4,300 passing yards, 30 touchdowns, only 11 interceptions, a QB or a passer rating over 100. And this was a team that was challenging for the lead in the NFC West. Well, had the lead in the first part of the season as a huge surprise out of the gate. But then fighting through that the rest of the season. Loved it. If he becomes a free free agent, meaning the Seahawks don't end up signing him and bringing him back, well then, yes, that changes a lot. I would be surprised, but, you know, I'm surprised by a lot of what happens in the NFL. (laughs) It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. We just heard from Greg Rosenthal on NFL Network, and I stumbled across his top 10 free agents of the offseason. And this is potentially free agents, again, because right now teams have the option of franchising, and they still have guys under contract until the new league year starts. But Lamar, he has listed as number one of his top 10 potential free agents. He has Geno listed as number two. Daniel Jones listed at number five. Derek Carr listed as number six. All right, so those are the quarterbacks on the list. All right, now thinking about the fact that Aaron Rodgers is not a free agent, wouldn't be a free agent, that would be a trade situation. I guess unless the Packers cut him, but then there's the cap hit. It's funny, though, because among those four quarterbacks I just listed, it really only feels like Derek Carr is a free, free agent. I don't know what the Giants are waiting for. Maybe they're trying until the last second to get a deal done with Daniel Jones. Maybe the Ravens are also holding out hope. And Geno Smith, we know postseason or after the season that he indicated himself that he really wanted to stay in Seattle and that he was hopeful about a deal getting done. But I do like the way you're thinking. Now, Quarterbacks that are taken in the draft are cheaper, but they often come in with a very steep learning curve. Even Trevor Lawrence, who was considered can't miss from the time he was a freshman at Clemson, he had a rough first year. Thanks, Urban Meyer. Thanks for nothing. Look how he thrived under Doug Peterson, but even even the first half of the season under Doug, they had a five-game losing skid. It started out one and six, maybe. Don't quote me. Sometimes I get their start and the Lions start mixed up because both teams 
had abysmal first halves, only to soar through the second half. Anything can and will happen. All right, so who are your top potential quarterbacks available? Whether it's free agent, whether it's draft, whether it's trade, rank them, rack them on Twitter, After Hours CBS, or on our Facebook page. Carson Wentz is now available and actually is available right now, similar to Derek Carr because of the timing of the moves by their teams. Now coming up, another milestone for Connor McDavid, but there's a big but there. The end result, not what the Oilers were looking for. And the Miami Heat have been a team relevant. They're stacked with veterans. They've come up short. They've wasted opportunities. They were riding a four-game losing skid, trying to get healthy. And a game that went down to the wire against the Sixers, who honestly are in that same category. So we have a lot more to get to this hour. Good to connect with you. 855-212-4227. It's... Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Belt with the ball. Hero backpedaling. Butler goes for the steal and does get the steal. Miami on the move with... Vincent for three, and that's good. Timeout Sixers. Jimmy Butler wreaking havoc for the Sixers. Harden with it. He's 5 of 11. 16 points, 9 assists. He goes to Joel. Embiid from 15 straight away. Counted. It's good. Oladipo was digging from the top. Zeller was in front of him, and Embiid now 8 of 12. Great touch. Harden with the ball. Foul Lennox into the near side. Gets a screen by Embiid. Dribbles in the lane. Into Joel. Joel goes around. Puts it up and in. Joel Embiid sliding through two defenders and Miami taking a timeout. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. The Miami Heat got the best of Jimmy Butler on Monday night and it was just enough to hold off Philadelphia. These are two teams that I feel like we could see go toe-to-toe, and they resemble each other in a couple of ways. They have incredible potential, some real superstar power. Yeah, they've had injuries, blah, blah. That's pretty much everybody in the league right now, but they also do not capitalize on a lot of their opportunities. These two teams, at least in this particular season, leave you wanting more. Now, the Sixers have a bit of a track record, going back the last several years where they do definitely feel like they're not taking full advantage of what they can do or, or their potential, but they've also made some dubious moves and the Ben Simmons thing and blah, 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 whatever. 
you know the Sixers. With the Miami Heat, I still trust them for a couple of reasons. Even as they were coming into this game against Philadelphia with four consecutive losses, Jimmy Butler's a dog, and that is a compliment. I know it sounds weird coming from me because I'm not that hip, but Jimmy Butler is tough. He's tenacious. He's physical. And honestly, I feel like Jimmy Butler plays better and digs down deeper when the task at hand is harder and the mountain is steeper. That sounded very poetic. No one's going to point to Jimmy Butler as being the most gracious, the most fluid, having the prettiest shot. Ah, Nobody's going to look at him as an MVP candidate outside of Miami. But he is the kind of player I'd want on my team. A killer. (laughs) He sticks. And he'll do anything. In order to win, he'll do whatever you need. He's also a great defender. And he annoys the crap out of opponents, which is a great quality. So, yeah, that that compliment, that's what comes to mind. He sticks. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. 23 points for him, 11 rebounds, 9 assists, and 4 steals in this victory over the Sixers. But the highlight that sticks out, if you have not seen it, please check it out on NBA Twitter or the Heat Twitter because it is, it really embodies, it's an embodiment of what I'm talking about. He drives through the lane. There are two defenders between him and the hoop, but also there's other guys crowding the lane. He slides through a power move, strong, no back down, no give. And he powers it up for what is a, well, he spins. Then he powers it up for a reverse layup. This is about 90 seconds to go. And he gives, at the time, the Heat a two-point lead. You need to see it. If you haven't seen it, go find it. Because it's brilliant. But it's also hard work. It's heads up, hard work, not afraid of contact, which let's be fair, a lot of team or a lot of players in the NBA are these days. But it's also exactly what the Heat needed. Did they need a circus shot? No, that's not what I'm talking about. Did they need some acrobatic move? No. What they needed was a Jimmy Butler who would take on the challenge, split the defenders, including Joel Embiid, who was hanging out under the hoop, even if it meant falling down as he's, so he crashes to the court on the other side of the lane, but the body control and the ability to get the ball up in the air, it's worth watching. And the spoon move is nearly out around, well, it's outside the lane, but nearly out, not quite at the three-point line, but the spin move, knowing where he is, the footwork, going right at the two defenders, not worrying about if somebody else in the lane drops down, which probably James Harden should have been helping on the backside. Acrobatic, athletic, but also a power move. 
and the Miami Heat needed a power move. Game still hanging in the balance at the end, but the Heat are able to dodge a bullet. Sixers miss in their last attempt. And so the four-game losing skid is a thing of the past, though now the Sixers have their own mini skid to worry about. The team is still without Kyle Lowry, still battling injuries. They need all hands on deck. That includes, remember Victor Oladipo, one of the great stories a couple years ago, 11 points for him off the bench. We haven't played a lot of basketball, unfortunately. You know, we've been, um, you know, victim to injury. But, you know, that's a part of life. But, um, you know, it's never too late. And at the end of the day, I, I, I know how hard I work, you know. You know, I know I was, you know, wasn't necessarily in the, given the, the great, a great hand uh, with my situation. Um, but it doesn't mean I can't be successful. So just got to keep working, man, and keep believing in myself and keep working and seeing what happens, man. Um, keep performing and playing hard for this team. And, um, we'll just see how it goes. It was good. I think we look a lot better whenever we make threes. Um, but we got some stops. Got out in transition. Um, in one, no matter how we how we do it, we, we got one on the road here in Philly. And um, that's all we want. You know, it's probably felt like a, a Syracuse game, both teams. <laughs> We're playing a lot of uh, zone. Uh, you know, and it's just... Uh, you know, one of these uh, deals that uh, you have to show some grit, you know. Things don't always go your way uh, in this league, and it's it's about how you respond to those moments collectively, you know, when you have uh, some disappointments. And, and the guys were disappointed. We were all disappointed about the last uh, two games, four games, really. Um, and at some point, you just have to take a stand and, um, you know, figure it out and gut out a win. They definitely did that. You hear Eric Spolstra mention grit and guts grind, all the G words. Jimmy Butler excels in those areas. He'll lead the charge in grits and guts and grind. But also the defense. I know this time of the year, we're not talking much about defense. It's actually funny that last night, Sunday night into Monday, I was doing a somewhat tongue-in-cheek question. Although I, I wouldn't put it past the NBA in the next three years to have a guy go over 100 points or to to match Wilt Chamberlain with 100 points in a game. I kind of feel like it would require uh, the teammates to be setting him up, and and certainly it would have to be an extraordinary set of circumstances. I'm not telling you it's going to happen more than once, but I do feel like the NBA is inching that direction where it's not beyond the realm of possibility. Now, not in the playoffs, because in the playoffs we see defense matter. And so that's why I trust the Heat. Plus, the experience of Eric Spolstra, he is underrated, underappreciated as a coach in this league every single year. They don't always have the best roster to work with. They don't always have the star power. They're continually relevant. And he is... Not about the attention. He's not about anything but winning. Which is why it's he's perfect for that group. Those inspiring offensive rebounds. <laughs> so the Heat forced 18 turnovers by the Sixers in this game. And you hear Eric Spolstra mention the four games in a row, the disappointments. Sometimes it's about having a veteran team that can respond to disappointment. It doesn't quite throw you for a loop. 
Though, raise your hand if you thought Kevin Love would be in the Heat starting lineup at any point after he got traded. Traded? No, he got... Did he get traded? Shoot, I can't remember now. Traded or cut? Now I can't remember. I'm not sure. I think he got cut and then picked up by the Heat. Bought out, yeah. Okay, bought out, picked up by the Heat. Now in the starting lineup. What? So, yeah, it's been anything but easy. However, the Heat are battle-tested, and this game on the road is one that matters. As for the Sixers, now they're a team that's faced a bunch of disappointment the last couple of games. For us to win, we're going to have to be uh, almost perfect. Uh, We can't have nights like, you know, this last couple of games. Got to be locked in all game uh, from the start. And, uh, yeah, like I said, not just him, but, you know, everyone in this locker room. Near perfect's a pretty high standard. Maybe people trust the Sixers more than they have in the past. I say that with much trepidation because I don't think I do. I still think I need to see it. The same way a lot of people don't have a ton of faith in the Denver Nuggets because they believe they're not necessarily a playoff formula team. Also, what we've seen from them. They can be front runners. A lot of times it matters who you run into. Let's not forget that. But these are opportunities now to to prove it. For Denver to be sure, can the Sixers bust through the glass ceiling? It's about who else is in play. The Bucks, the Celtics, especially the Celtics, have been the nemesis for the Sixers. So they don't operate in a vacuum, but also they've shot themselves in the foot a little bit too. Back-to-back losses for them. They faded back to four behind the Bucks and the Celtics. Though still in that number thir- that number three spot. But it's not critical mass yet. But it starts to matter how you're playing in the last few weeks of the season. Can a veteran team theoretically flip a switch? Sure. The proverbial sports switch. I wish I had one of those. A team can do that. It's not the best plan. I wouldn't say that should be plan A or B, really. Even if you're the Warriors, I don't think it's possible for them to flip a switch this year. Will they be a tough out because of their experience? Absolutely. They got bigger problems, and they're not on the road to fixing them. Are the Sixers on the road to fixing them? Or will the James Harden curse continue? Sorry, that's that's not even fair. I keep reminding myself what a nice guy James is. We love you, James. See? That's what I mean. All right, you can find me on Twitter, A-Law Radio. Also on our Facebook page, ranking the QB options because more teams – than you think are looking for QBs. We tend to forget about the Buccaneers. I tend to forget about the Buccaneers, but hello, they need a quarterback as well. And maybe right now it's easy to pile on Carson Wentz because he's been released by the commanders, not worth the money in their eyes, and he's one and done with a second straight team. But it's supply and demand. And he may end up as a veteran minimum Really low salary, not a long commitment, maybe an incentive-based contract, but it's a quarterback-starved league. At least a third of the teams in the league right now, well, they're going to be looking for options. They are looking for options, probably cowering underneath underneath their desks in some cases. 
It's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Just under eight minutes to go in this period. Costin's back out there, back to four on four, and CeCe gets it around the right wing side, down the ice. It won't be icing as Costin gets down to it. Takes it left side, in front of the net to McDavid, scores! There's number 50! This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. It happened in the second period of a game between the Oilers and the Bruins. Jack Michaels on Oilers Radio. What else is new with Connor McDavid? Man, what a season he is having. Uh, Though, considering where the Oilers have been, even recently, uh, what they've been through in the postseason, you can imagine that what matters most to him is to be able to play in the biggest stages in his sport. Um, And so I'm I'm hoping for that. I feel the same way about Connor McDavid on the Stanley Cup final stage as I do, say, Mike Trout getting back to the postseason and seeing the best of the best in this individual talent uh, where the lights are the brightest and the pressure is ratcheted up. I believe he and the Oilers are built for it. They just got to get there. And all the experience matters. It's just a long season after you come up short of your goal. But he is locked in. The Oilers are as well, except, I mean, they're not alone. Most teams that run into the Bruins these days come up short. But, man, even as the 50th goal for Connor McDavid ties the game against the Bruins, the Bruins have a little left in the tank later in the period. Hathaway's going to change while Krejci tries to get it. Zaka doing the dirty work. Slings it up top, left point, forward, far side, Pasternak. Shakes up top, shoots, deflected left of the cage. They score! Pavel Zaka would not be denied. Worked his way through a check and while diving, shoveled over the top and under the crossbar. Wowzers. Well, I love the atmosphere there. Love the electricity. But the Bruins, wow. They call this a special win as they survived the Oilers 3-2. to two. That goal coming late with Pavel Zaka coming late in the second period. It was the tiebreaker, and the Bruins are able to capitalize on their depth. Seven straight wins for them. Stop me if you've heard this before. (laughs) Nick Foligno also with a goal for the Bruins. And yes, a highlight for Connor McDavid with his 50th goal. And actually, the, the Oilers have all kinds of great social media posts, so Twitter posts. They've got... Uh, someone who's very creative running their social, Mick 50 unlocked. And then last week, remember, it was Leon Dreisaitl and it was Connor McDavid who both reached uh, point plateaus in their careers. Uh, was it 500 and 600, I think, were the numbers. Um, and so they had a cool photo to go along with that, too. What they want is to win. Now, is it a good gauge? Best team in the league? The Bruins? Absolutely. Maybe doesn't ring as true or as important when it comes in a loss. So two things. The Bruins are, whoa, they're a buzzsaw. They're incredible. They got better at the deadline. It is almost unfathomable that they have lost so few games this season, but it's true. Get this. For those of you who don't follow hockey on a regular basis, this is awesome. 46 wins Eight losses. 
eight. If this were the Golden State Warriors, we'd be raving about how they had a chance to set another best record ever for a regular season. 46, eight, and five. And yes, they are in first place in every metric. So awesome night for Connor Mc, well, awesome moment for Connor McDavid. And he continues to rack up these individual highlights, these career feats, these season feats. He's tops in the NF or the NHL. Haha, the NFL. That's what happens when I talk about quarterbacks. He's tops in the NHL when it comes to the points, and he's worth the price of admission. But big picture, you run into the best team in the league, which is what he noted. Yeah, disappointing, obviously. Um, you know, they're uh, obviously the best team in the league. And, you know, I thought uh, we played them hard and uh, gave ourselves a chance to win. We have a couple of looks and we don't uh, we don't capitalize, you know, against a team that uh, doesn't give up much. You know, Yams has a couple of looks, you know, a couple, couple of plays here and there, and it's a different game. I was doing a bit of reading about the Bruins' season only because it's been so incredible. And coming off of a year in which they lost in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So you hear Connor McDavid talking about missed opportunities, so not meeting expectations. The Bruins ended up firing their head coach. That was Bruce Cassidy. They replace him, Jim Montgomery. But still, I, I wouldn't say there were huge expectations coming into this year. Now, they've got some of the best players in the league. We know that. And some veterans who have been in Boston for a long time. I thought it was funny, and and I didn't pay any attention to this at the time, but to look back on it now, the article I read is that they were 25 to 1, 30 to 1, something like that, odds to win the Stanley Cup by one particular sports book. And that if you pay attention to power rankings, they were essentially middling, middle of the road. But if you think about what they've done to this point, as I mentioned, only... Eight losses all season. Are they, They're approaching 100 points. I don't think they're quite there yet, but they're approaching 100 points. They're chasing NHL history in a bunch of different ways. So the Bruins are on pace. This is not so. On pace for 64 wins by the end of the season. That would top most wins for a regular season set by the... For those of you who are longtime Red Wings fans or just a student of hockey, the Red Wings going back to the mid-90s, though that record was tied by the Lightning a few years ago. right? So now you've got two teams that own it. The Bruins are on pace to smash that record. Thank you, Jay. They're at 97 points, so they are closing in on 100. Not quite there yet. They're on pace. Now this is also just... It's obscene. <laughs> it's obscene, but it's it's phenomenal to even think about. Whether or not they get to the number, on pace for 135 points this season. See what I mean about obscene? The current record for points in a season goes back to the 70s, those Montreal Canadiens. Now, that was a mark that was set in an 80-game season. It was 132 points in an 80-game season. And I didn't know this. I didn't rem- Well, I wasn't. I, <laughs> it's funny to say I don't remember this when I wasn't around. But the, the Canadians beat the, the Bruins that season for the Stanley Cup. So there are probably a lot of old-time Bruins fans who do remember that, remember running into that team. 
One more I'll give you. These are all nerd alerts. Their goal differential is nearing plus 100. Again, also obscene. That's something you would see in baseball. Your run differential being plus 100. It would be pretty damn good in baseball. But in hockey, plus 96. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's the best in the league by almost 50 goals. Stop it. I'm not making this up. I swear. I told you when I was when I was reading this article about the Bruins, I was thinking, all right. <laughs> Every stat is more impressive than the last one. Again, th- that's a run differential that you would expect in Major League Baseball. It's hockey. But not hockey, where your goal differential is nearly plus 100. Ew. Get me some oxygen. And I don't mean ooh as in anything other than ew. Get me some oxygen. As I say, it's relatively obscene. It's worth paying attention to them over the next few weeks of this regular season. Worth paying attention, obviously, when we get to the Stanley Cup playoffs. I, I would watch any team in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But for the Bruins, we're talking about history here. So, yes, yeah, sitting on the 97 points, the goal differential is... 96. Both those numbers are, yeah. (laughs) Like I mentioned, they're off the charts. There's really not much of a comparison for them. Next closest team in terms of points is 86, and that's the Carolina Panthers. And they're running away with the Eastern Conference right now. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.